This is the Cultural Fluency Podcast with Angèle Preto, the French coach, that's me. And today in episode number four, I am with Ashton Colby. Ashton, welcome. Thank you for accepting uh, my invitation to be on the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm really so uh, excited and curious about what you do. Uh, you are the founder of a company called Gender Euphoria, which is, uh, mm -hmm. of course, a link to the concept of gender dysphoria. I guess we're going to yeah. speak about that. And uh, Gender Euphoria is a social enterprise on a mission to change the global and interpersonal disempowering narratives about transgender people through compassionate, uh, compassionate communication, inclusive media representation training, a lot of work in there, <laughs> and coaching trans people how to not just transition, but thrive in every area of life. Yes. And you, you write on your website uh, something that's very true, unfortunately. Transgender people are deliberately alienated from their spirituality and their ability to use the body as a tool for emotional self-regulation, and you are here to change that. So personally, Definitely. with me being transmasculine myself, I understand very deeply what you mean, but for our listeners that may not be very well aware of what that is all about, can you please like, give a bit more explanation as to how totally. this works? Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm transgender and I was, you know, assigned female at birth and I mm -hmm. lived for 20 years as a girl, as a woman. And then I had it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for, for <laughs> years in my case. So yeah. Yeah. And realize, <laughs> you know, I, to be more of the person that I am in my heart to really show up more fully, I need to transition to show myself in the world that that I can show up as this divine masculine being. So I started taking testosterone about nine years ago and um, really allowed myself to step into my masculinity and, and just transition to be a man. And then so with the work with Gender Euphoria, and it's spelled Y-O-U, like euphoria. Yeah. And yeah, the link to that, the play on that is that, you know, you have to be at this point, diagnosed with gender dysphoria in order mm -hmm. to, in the U.S. at least, to gain, and many places, to gain access to medically transitioning through surgery and hormones to feel better. And, you know, a lot of people, you and I included, understand the power of the narratives you take on, the, the stories you tell about yourself really do impact your experiences in the world for better or worse. And so I you know, think that that narrative of gender dysphoria, it's like, well, what if I was just trying to be more of the person I already am? Like, what if I was trying to reach a state of gender euphoria and like what, what you focus on expands. So um, I work with companies in the media to make sure they're telling authentic, real stories that are not just, uh, you know, really focused on the surgery and the body and the physical stuff that can get kind of bogged down. And then, um, you know, I, I, I'm a trauma-informed yoga teacher, so I mm -hmm. uh, teach trans people how to regulate their nervous system, feel present in their body. And then I coach trans people, especially like leaders that are out here doing this work very publicly, who are absorbing all these really toxic narratives and still want to like yeah. show up fully and authentically in their body and, and in their power and their purpose. So I'm um, trying to work on it from all, all areas. So yeah, thank you for letting me talk about this. I'm so excited to talk with somebody who has, you know, just a similar life experience. It's pretty unique. So yeah, yeah thank you. 
I mean, similar-ish, I would say, because it feels sure. like when I hear you yeah. talking, it feels like you're 10 steps ahead of the situation we have in Europe. Also, when I read your <laughs> oh, website, I'm hey, like, yeah. oh my God, how am I going to like arrange an interview with this person who lives literally in the future, assuming that we are indeed moving in the right direction, because I'm not completely <laughs> sure. I mean, you say yeah. in the US, you have to be diagnosed with gender dysphoria, and that's not yeah. great. Yeah, but I was yeah. diagnosed with transsexuality, which is supposed to be a wow. mental disease. Wow. In Germany. Yeah. Three or yeah. like four years ago or five years ago. I think it still yeah. is like that. And it's like, you know, yeah. for me being diagnosed with gender dysphoria, wow. that would be a big step ahead. If we yeah. There. Yeah. Let's talk about that. That's like, <laughs> you know? how, how does that, like, how do you feel when, when you, when that happens, like that you have to be diagnosed with something that's considered, because in the US, like, still like we have this diagnostic statistical manual that all mm-hmm. doctors medical professionals yes. have to like read go through the dsm yeah and and it has gender dysphoria like labeled in there and and the name you know call it what you what you know, gotta maybe name it something for insurance to get mm-hmm. medical access to yeah stuff. but yeah i mean the stories that go along with it like yeah even even a few years ago, when I when I first came out, actually, in 2012, it was gender identity disorder is what I actually have. Still would be better than what I have. Diagnosed. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, how, where do you feel like things are at with that? Like with transsexualism, like that's, that's, that's a whole other, it, I wasn't just, aware of that. Yeah. It feels like the, I mean, and this is uh, Western Europe. So imagine like the rest of the world, yeah. like Western Europe is not that, you know, um, far ahead uh, in fact there are many places that worse um it was not the first stupid mental health diagnosis i got so i was like oh yeah doctors have their own like mindset or the frame of mind like really my experience transitioning in europe is very much playing a role like pretending Mm -hmm. to fit into a narrative so that the doctors or the uh whoever i'm in touch with in the system would let me do what I want to do best I can. And I yeah. played the role of like perfect man in the doctor's office. And then I played the role of the perfect man in court. So they would change my, my uh, passport, uh, you know, my, my gender marker. I, I, went, yeah. uh, I went to a court in France with my wife. Look, I'm the perfect straight male. Uh, <laughs> you have yeah. to acknowledge me. And, uh, and, it, and it's ridiculous. And the more time passes, the more it feels ridiculous because I'm being more and more removed from that experience. And uh, sure. I'm, I'm really gender fluid. And I was gender sure. fluid all along. Yeah. Like I, I knew from the age of 29 that I was gender fluid because that's when I discovered all of the, the labels that can exist and all of that. And um, I think the story of how I discovered uh, that I'm trans is, is pretty unique. <laughs> Maybe I can tell it because I don't think I've told it on this podcast yet. Um, I, I met a trans woman at an Esperanto Congress completely randomly. She just happened to be there. And, um, and we became friends. And so I, I was genuinely really curious about the topic of, I didn't know anything about me being trans at all. And I asked the, the I guess the stupid question that everybody asks you, which is, I asked her, how do you know that you're a woman? Because I I was completely clueless about how trans people felt or anything. Like there was zero information. I mean, you have to think it was uh, seven years ago and in Europe, no social media, no nothing. I mean, well, there was a bit of social media, but no, like to the kind of level that we have now. Um, And so I asked her, how do you know that you're a woman? To which she returns me the question. uh, And she goes, well, how do you know that you're a woman? 
at which point I'm like, uh, it's because I have the, the woman body, like, you know, I have like breasts and sure. vulva, like it's, it's woman definition. Yeah. And she told me, no, you're lying. And I was like, oh, okay, I understand you're trying to say something important, but I genuinely do not understand what you are saying. Is there any other way that you can explain it? And then she said, I'm a woman because I feel like a woman. And you're a woman because you feel like a woman. Like it's a way that you feel. And I was like, what? <laughs> you, you feel yeah. like a woman? I don't feel like a woman. Like how, what does that even mean? Like feel like a woman? Yeah. What, the hell? what the hell? And, and she, she said, well, you, okay. Like, let me turn the question differently. Like if you, with your personality and like your soul and your, your mind, if we could we take this and we put it in a man's body, would you then be a man? And I was like, yes, isn't that how it works? And she was like, uh, but you don't, wouldn't have any problem with that if that were to happen. It like, probably would be weird at the beginning, but I, still, I don't see why it would be a problem. And she was like, well, congratulations, you're trans. Uh, and that's when yes. I realized that the rest yeah. of the population does not feel like me about this topic. Totally. And for me, yeah. I just assumed that like, yeah, like you had a body, you were labeled male or female and that was it. And, you know, and it took until I met a trans woman at age 29 to realize that people actually feel like they belong to their gender, which they're assigned. What? Yeah. I yeah. still don't the get felt, it. I still don't. Felt sense. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it is, yeah, it, there, there is really like a, a, a felt sense that, that if you don't, uh, if you feel like you are something else that it's like it, it really is a soul thing it's such a spiritual thing it's such a soul thing it's such an emotional thing that it's almost like an essence it's hard to even describe to people but they know what it feels like if they feel aligned with it and in the and what you were talking about like the gender fluidity or the non-binary aspect of of how you really feel and having to Feel like you had to go to court and your name change and feel like you had to put on the be a straight couple and you had yeah. to be the perfect man you had to go to the doctor and tell him oh I'm a man in the waiting room and all these kind of things that like you I it's so even across culture like and and everything I know that experience so deeply and so intimately even here in the U.S. like I really did feel like and that's kind of where even gender euphoria was inspired by because I did a lot of reflecting and it sounds like you're reflecting too on the fact that, yeah. you know, with even how you realized you were trans is that it wasn't cause like you had this and correct me if I'm wrong. It wasn't this moment of like, I hate my body. It was like yeah. a, Oh, somebody's describing a way of experiencing my inner experience, my felt sense of mm -hmm. my gender, my soul, aside from my body and and for me like it wasn't this moment when I like was like okay I think that I need to transition it wasn't like oh my god I hate my body it was like okay my soul is not aligned with my physical representation to the world and the way I'm showing up in the world and it is this felt sense this incongruence and so yeah I had to go to the doctors and I had to say to the psychiatrist like okay I you know I'm a man and I've always felt like a man and here's pictures of me as a little kid dressed up like you know mm -hmm. a, a superhero boy and so here's proof that I am really trans and 
And I felt like that too. And then, you know, I love that in conversations like this, I can talk about the spiritual aspects of stuff that I'm, I have really, I think politically and socially, it's easy to say, I'm a trans man and people can kind of get that. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, born a woman transitioned to a man, like, but that doesn't even resonate for the people that really know me. I feel like I'm so much more than that. Like my soul just happens to be more masculine and this is the best way to describe it. So I'm so with you on all this. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, socially I adjust my label to, to the person I'm talking to. So if I'm yes. in a situation yeah. where I don't want to have a conversation, I say I'm a straight man and that's it. Yeah. And if I'm in a situation yeah. where I think it's yeah. like, you know, if I'm on a date, for example, I can't pretend to be a cishet man because something would go sure. wrong. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, I, I also only choose to date people, but mostly women who will have an understanding of that. Um, right. It, it reduces the dating pool, but it also reduces your chances to uh, having boring dates. So um, I'm, 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 I'm on board with you it. there. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, very rarely, I, I, very rarely yeah. do I find someone to whom I can express my gender completely with like, as in I'm gender fluid and even go sure. as far as to like, because almost every day I feel different about my gender. So some days I will feel more masculine, some days more feminine. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I will sit, you know, straightly in the middle. Uh, and I, I find it interesting to realize yeah. like, how I feel over time, totally. but, but society isn't ready. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about how they're not they're not necessarily like, you know, ready when genuinely, I mean, if I love that we're having this conversation, because if I am honest, yeah, truly, I do I do the same thing in certain situations, who I'm talking to, I based on the audience, I change how I describe it. And, you know, the closer you know, me to my heart, and what you're ready for, like, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I could say, oh, I'm like this genderless divine being that just resonates with masculinity. And, but yeah, I mean, like, I love what you just said about some days you or every day you feel differently about your gender. And we don't have that conversation either that you're like, you're allowed to it doesn't feel like it more masculine or more feminine. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it, it changes in a matter of hours. Because it's, for me, gender is very much an energy and mm-hmm. a relationship to like the energies, the cosmic divine energies that are like divine masculinity and divine yeah. femininity. And so, you know, our, our relationship to those things can change throughout the day just like our uh just like our body temperature just like our mm-hmm. um you know any you know whether we're hungry or not like they're they're all just different things that um are are moving they're not they don't have to be these stagnant things they can be a little bit more light a little bit more playful i think yeah than, and then we make them so rigid and and yes structured the, and the rigidity is know. such a problem for me yeah, because I mean, also my gender I adjusts to the situation and to the people around me, which is uh, interesting. Like I spent years trying to figure out, okay, like th- what are the, the circumstances that I have to go in for it to flow one way or the other. And what I know is that if I stay stuck for too long in a particular role, I'm going to gradually feel very, very bad. And it's, yeah. but sometimes I don't realize yeah. it because I'm like, okay, like it was comfortable at the beginning. So I'm like that, that frog in the water, which has like the, you know, that story with the, oh, the, the frog, boiling, which gets cooked, yeah. the boiling frog. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 it's, and it's weird. Like the people around me probably aren't really getting it. I'm trying to like maintain a smooth 
situation for them to like not be too confused. Uh, but it's uh, yeah. it's tricky. Yeah, I'm at a point where like I'm like, yeah, I think I want to wear feminine clothing again uh, a bit more than I'm already doing. Sure. And um, yeah, I don't know how I'm gonna deal with that. I'm <laughs> just yeah. gonna follow my intuition because that's the only thing I can do. Yeah, following your intuition exactly. Yeah, I mean you're being called to do that, and and I noticed this transition. I've noticed this pattern with other trans masculine people that they transition really like rigid binary. And then they kind of had this like awakening that it's not all about the physical stuff. And then they allow themselves to be more expansive. I've, I've noticed that evolution. And I also noticed that like with all the chaos that's kind of going on in the world right now, mm-hmm. there is this, you know, consciousness evolution that's happening, this awakening. And some yes. people are, you know, w- are ready and willing and aware to see that, okay, you know, we are more than our bodies and, you know, gender can be more than just, you know, male or female. And Mm -hmm. the people that are willing to like expand their ability to be compassionate really to what it means to be in a different body and not feel aligned with that. Cause it really takes you to kind of stretch, stretch your emotional muscles. If you're a cisgender person, if you're not trans in any way, and someone comes to you and says, Hey, I feel non-binary. I feel like I'm trans. And you maybe I would assume like the first time you ever hear that concept, you could be a little uncomfortable mm-hmm. and you, in order to be comfortable with really that whole concept, you have to kind of stretch your muscles to be like compassionate to the, to the deep felt sense that it is uncomfortable to be born in a body that doesn't align with your gender and, and cisgender people. I notice like some of them aren't ready to make that leap, that depth of like, you know, maybe I don't have this exact pain, but I'm, but I can recognize it and show up deeply for this other person that has this experience. And so I, I do see a really, I think that's why it's such a polarizing kind of topic is there is a deep, it just mirrors the other kind of deep social and emotional and consciousness level divides that are happening at large. And and I feel like mm-hmm. transgender people are really at the crux of it because yeah, the big crystallization a, around us, right? Yeah, it yeah. says a lot about you uh, in your level of personal development. Whether you're able mm-hmm. to accept trans people as they show up in the world or not, and um, you know, with you mentioned like dating, it makes the dating pool smaller, but it it makes it um, more interesting, and yeah. that's how I feel. I mean. I mostly date like you, which is like, you know, women, mostly cisgender women that, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm usually like, you know, the more of the guy person in the right, you know, we're seen as usually like more of a straight couple when yeah, we're in funny. the world. Yeah. And, and, but I usually only date people that would be like spiritual, that would be mm-hmm. really high level thinking that would be able to be compassionate and flexible emotionally to be able to really see me as more than my body. And so you, you date some really high quality people as yeah. a result of that. It's, it's so, a great filter. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. That's it's exactly. A great filter. Yeah. I have, I have like, I really have two filters that I use. Like one is the trans filter and the second one is the astrology filter. 
Like in the, the first few text message, <laughs> yeah. I, I will mention something about the fact that I study astrology and depending totally. on how they react, I will decide whether or not there are people who are uh, open-minded enough to go on a date with. Yeah, I love that. Because yeah. it's, yeah, like if you're, because all the people who have looked into astrology think that there is something to it, almost all of them. Like it's very rare to find someone who thinks they have dug into it and thought, still think it's, you know, complete BS. So all the people who think really badly of astrology are people who have a strong opinion of something they don't know. And sure. that, yeah. that yeah. is a bad red flag. That's an interesting way to put it. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard astrology put like that. Yeah, I like if, if you, because I know like at least my moon sign and my rising sign and my sun sign. Beyond that, I don't know anything, but I, you know, I'm here but for you. But you're open-minded like, enough to know those. I'm, so, totally, yeah. Yeah. totally. So... Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, a great introduction. I have a couple more uh, questions that we can get into. Uh, like, for example, you were saying that there's really a discrepancy in the level of personal development of people. Uh, you, you've said several times in your content that God loves trans people unconditionally. That's not the yes. message that we get from most religious people. Um, so yeah. how, how do you deal with that? Like, how do you... Totally. I don't know, like, uh, I, and in yeah, here, here yeah. I mean, around me, I don't have many religious people. It seems to be mostly a U.S. thing. Um, but then again, most people here have never even heard of the trans person. So, yeah. Yeah, it's with the religion thing in, in the U.S., yeah, we have a really deep culture of, like, Christianity that is, that really, influ you know, they, you know, written into our, like, founding documents is really the separation of church and state, but... Mm -hmm. But our but Christianity really deeply affects our public policy, and and our um, the the culture. Like um, you know, if you kind of go outside of any kind of large metropolitan city area, it's it's totally like a um, you know a day and night difference in terms of acceptance you like you'll find accepting mm -hmm. people in rural areas i don't want to generalize at all yeah. it's it's not necessarily location wise but but in the in the places where um particularly in southern america in the south like there's a lot of really deep roots of of the christian church that mm -hmm. are um hundreds of years old that are, are still deeply divided. And so, um, and yeah, and again, it influences national policy and, and national culture. And, yeah. um, and with the whole thing about God loves trans people, like I, I really find people who don't, who are in the more conservative religious side of things who can't understand that I could have a relationship with God and be transgender. And so I, I, that, that is so painful for me because mm -hmm. I have been raised in the church in, in a Methodist church my whole life. And I've, I've found a relationship with God of my own understanding. Okay, cool. All right. So yeah, that works perfectly now. Okay. We were speaking about, you know, the uh, opportunity to praise the trans away. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people who really want me to 
just pray to God hard enough. And then I, I will not feel transgender anymore. And when I first came out as trans, I really, you know, or well to myself, when I first felt like I was trans, I did try to do that and it didn't work. And so, um, no, you know, after work, like no. nine years or well, 10 years now of, of, Oh, the, 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 the audio isn't working. No, no. Uh, I mean, uh, praying the trans away doesn't oh, work. Oh, praying. <laughs> yeah, sorry. The praying, the praying, it doesn't work. Yeah, it's it really doesn't work. Yeah, and so I had to realize that, like, you know, who I am is not going to be based on the fact that I have to change this this transness within me, and and so I. I only, when anybody out bees, is anybody transphobic to me, I just, you know, obviously am heard about it, but I kind of lean on my relationship with God even more. And, um, so the analogy I think about it is with the praying the trans away or praying the gay away or anything like that. It's like, people want me to go into my garden and go into my yard and I see weeds that are out, out like mm -hmm. in my yard and they want me to just sit there and just pray about the weeds to go away mm -hmm. where yeah. in order for me to actually do something about it, I could fully accept that there are weeds in my garden and then go out and pluck them out of the ground mm -hmm. and then have a yard. And so the same thing that is with being trans is like, I can't just sit here and just pray it away. I can fully accept that I was born into a female body. I can then fully accept that I feel transgender without any judgment or shame. And then I can fully accept that in order for me to move forward with my life, I can go and do something about it. I can transition socially or physically or both. And the entire time I can maintain a relationship with God. And really, I noticed there is a divide within the trans community. And I'll, mm -hmm. so I'll really name this. This is, this is probably some notice that the intention that you spring your transition really affects the outcome. And so if you're going into this and you feel like you hate your body and that transitioning physically is going to fix all your problems in your life, and you're magically going to be happy for the rest of your life just because you change your body. Like, you know, that's not really how it works. And you may yes. hit a wall a few years into your transition and be upset and, and still be disconnected. And I think that there are religious people who see that and see that disconnection still and point to that, like, see, mm -hmm. you can't just transition physically and it'll all be okay. But they don't make room for the people or they, or they scoop us all together and they don't make room for the people who have had a relationship spiritually their whole life or, or have developed one and, and realize at least at some point during their transition that maybe initially it was really about the physical things, but it, it's really a catalyst for a deeper awakening spiritually of realizing like the essence of who we are is so much more than our body. And that's so spiritually valuable. And, and there's not, we haven't made space for that because I think it's really uncomfortable for 
people to talk to people who like for me to tell a trans person that is so consumed with needing the physical changes, like, Hey, those changes are not the only thing you have to work on. Mm-hmm. They get really upset and defensive and scared. And, and, and I, so I have compassion for that. And I also have compassion for the religious conservative people who think like, Hey, you can't just change your body and it'll change all your problems. And that's not even my experience. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I want to, I'd love to talk about that. Like how, yeah. how there is this, this divide and there's so much more going on narrative wise. It sounds like you've experienced that too, like in so many different areas. Like, I'd love to hear about what your spiritual, you know, relationship of your own understanding, like how, what does that look like in relation to your trans experience? Uh, it, it looks extremely different for me um, because I think we have a lot less religious people here in Western Northern Europe than you have in the US. And so I haven't really been confronted to um, this kind of opinion from religious people. What I do have is that almost every trans person that I know is an atheist. Um, They have no spirituality whatsoever. Uh, My ex-wife, for example, is one of them. Um, She's my ex-wife now for a reason. Because I think she's the textbook is of that situation we should describe where uh, transitioning just does not fix all of your problems. And it's yeah. uh, a, a, the few trans people that have a spirituality in Europe, they feel even more isolated because they're going to be isolated from the trans community as well. Uh, or like they will not be able to relate spiritually to the trans community because overall the trans community just does not have spirituality whatsoever. They're completely cut off. So like my life is a series of getting cut off from the environment that I've been in. Um, you know, I've been cut off from my family. Uh, I've been cut off from my country of origin. I mean, it was my choice, but you know, it still is something to deal with. Uh, I've been cut off from being an employee because I got fired for being trans twice within six months, at which point I decided to wow. start a business. And that is why I'm here and I still have this business. I've been having it for five years, five years and a half now. And, um, but it's a choice that was so rare. I, I don't know a single other trans person in Europe who has a business. It's just me, which is yeah. crazy when you think about it. And the reason why I did it, like it, the story is insane. So I, I got fired for being trans twice in six months. The first time was in Austria, which I had lived there for five years. And then my, uh, my girlfriend of the time, which is now my ex-wife, told me, oh, that's because Vienna is so conservative. This would never happen in Berlin. She's from Berlin. Um, come to Berlin. You're going to have a much better job. You're going to have a job that is worthy of you. It's going to be amazing. So I went. And it took exactly five months until I was fired again. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it took basically just the time that I needed to get settled. Uh, and I found myself where in a situation where I had no job. I was completely traumatized because it had just happened again and also like it's not just the being fired it's like the whole process of you know being put through this like gaslighting throughout being in your job and just the, the colleagues who don't understand you or those who do understand you don't understand why you have a problem because they just don't see the transphobia of the others um, and then i had work in germany for only five months and you cannot get unemployment benefits yeah. If you if you haven't yeah, worked in a, in a country for a year, and you need you have to have worked for a year in the country in Europe okay. to get yeah. unemployment benefit, 
And in theory, it's possible to transfer the benefits from a country to the other because it's the European Union. But in practice, I don't know a single person who have succeeded. And I found myself having zero income and I had just decided to transition because I couldn't take it anymore. For me, it was never really a problem of my body being wrong. I actually love my body as it is. Uh, it's very female-like now um, because I stopped taking testosterone almost a year ago now. And um, I haven't had any surgery. So I've just basically returned to uh, the regular body that I had before, except for the voice and facial hair, which I love. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I really appreciate my body like it is right now because it's very close to what I had before, which I already loved. And it is also male passing because for me, it was always mostly a social problem. I never appreciated to be treated like a woman and I still wouldn't if it would start again. <laughs> so I had decided that I just didn't want it anymore. Like I would probably kill myself if I had to like go through the sexism of the tech industry again and all of that, because it's not just the transphobia, it's also sexism. You know, there are two layers of it. Right. And I was like, yeah. okay, I'm going to transition, but I expected it to last four years until I could manage to have um, proper documentation that would allow me to have a job again. And that's when I realized, okay, I have four years it would take probably four years and I have two options. Either I can go and try to beg the government for money, which is what most trans people are doing. Um, but it was, it would be very difficult given that I was a foreigner and I hadn't worked in the country a lot. Um, and I would probably be misgendered and be mistreated in all ways, you know, when you have to deal with the government or right. if I'm going to work really hard anyway, I might as well build a business. And for me, it was a crystal clear choice. Like it will be hard work either way. And it will be something yes. like I will have to manage my mental health either way. So I yes. can either try to beg yeah. for money and I'll get just however much money they want to give me, or I can build something. Why am I the only person who has looked at it this way and made this choice? I don't know. Because for me, it was an easy choice, but everyone has taken the other option. And I mean, this, this is Europe for you. People yeah. don't have a business mind and especially not trans people in Berlin. Like there's a really... Um, uh, left-wing kind of mindset, which is like socialist, basically, where people believe that it's the government's job to take care of them. And um, it doesn't work too well, but they keep believing. And, and they're miserable. And I didn't want to be yeah. one of them, so yeah. I was very much cut off from that community as well. I, I really appreciate your vulnerability in sharing this and speaking this and, and this is such a freeing conversation for me personally and and i i in many ways you know feel the isolation that you're speaking about in terms of like feeling like where are all the spiritual trans people and where are all the entrepreneurs that are trans and have the mindset of like you know like like the spirituality and I want, yeah, with the, the, like we're on different continents, but I feel exactly within our community, the same, like two areas of isolation, like with the spirituality, like I noticed too, like there's a lot of trans people who are, who are, you know, atheists. And again, like if mm -hmm. I don't care what you call it, as long as you're happy and you're healthy and you feel aligned in all areas of your life, um, for me, spirituality has been such a meaningful thing. And, you know, 
I don't care I don't that you, you know whether you're a Christian or whatever you know Buddhist Muslim I don't care what spirituality even beyond religion even if you just like have a faith in just some loving presence that's that's greater than yourself and uh, something to rely on that you don't mm -hmm. have to feel like you're doing life all by yourself like that's so important and that's that's for me been so life-saving it's it's given given me hope throughout um you know whether you call it the universe whatever you know mm -hmm. even belief in like you know a, a connection that science can give us in, in quantum physics heck i don't care what what your what your belief is in something again loving and greater that connects us all it's bigger than yourself fundamental for me and and i feel isolated sometimes in the trans community finding people like that because I do notice the divide that you talked about where yeah there are like really people that are that are super just and understandably so like um without any kind of faith or hope or and feel really like man why the heck am i even trans to begin with like kind of you know screw this i i and and they are really um you know unhappy and i and i get that yeah. and then the same with the divide of with the entrepreneur stuff is that um you named something really specific that i i know of of like you know either way you're gonna have to figure out how to to get money in this world in some way mm -hmm. like whether you are slogging away at a really crappy job or you have to um you know work through the systems of the government to try to you know get benefits from them yeah you or whether you are an entrepreneur you have as a trans person you really have to manage your mental health through all that and i found immense freedom in spirituality and immense freedom in entrepreneurship mm -hmm. that i want to shout from the rooftops but again have found a lot of like so much pushback and isolation yeah. from my own community mm -hmm of like i want all trans people to realize like i have found so much freedom in like a spiritual connection of moment my own understanding and i have found so much freedom in entrepreneurship and if that can be something that trans people like feel a sense of um like that they are worthy of that they're worthy of spirituality they're worthy of entrepreneurship and i did you know I, I don't have the exact same story as you, but I have a very similar kind of energy of, I, you know, realized I didn't really want to keep going to, to college or university here. Maybe this was like six years ago and I was in the middle of my transition and I had a calling to like do something else with my life and I wanted to be of service in a different way. And so in order to kind of get my feet on the ground and start moving, it was before I even knew I wanted to have this specific business or anything. I had to work a lot of crappy jobs and I had to be stealth in those jobs just mm -hmm. for safety reasons. And yeah. I was really miserable and really disempowered and kind of really mad at, at just like society feeling like I had no sense of agency that, um, that like, because I was trans, I was destined to like live and, um, and have these really crappy jobs. And that's just what trans people do. And so, um, yeah, I mean, with so much 
love I say what I'm going to, what I'm about to say. Um, but I was hanging around a lot of friends that were really into uh, communism and were really into a lot of like really hardcore socialist things and, and mm-hmm. really, really deeply disempowering um yeah. I mean, maybe they felt empowering and I, it gave me a sense of hope at the beginning to hear like, okay, you know, it is the government's responsibility to help us. And, you know, I've never really shared these beliefs in this way before, but I, I realized there is kind of a balance of like, of personal responsibility and realizing we do need to have these social support systems like you know, all these things like healthcare and everything, mm-hmm. all the, the, there definitely should have these basic fundamental human rights provided yeah. by the collective that is like our governing body. I, I think that's beautiful. We should all have that. But I found this concept um, called social enterprise or conscious capitalism or social entrepreneurship, which is taking, you know, the good parts of socialism, the good hearted places, parts of socialism, which says, you know, we should care about the environment and how business impacts the environment. We should care about how workers are treated. We should pay people a living wage, you know, all those beautiful things. We should provide healthcare and then taking the things that are positive about free market capitalism, which is, you know, you can go out and very easily start a business and you can go and, and, figure out, you know, how to make an impact in the world and create and um, have a sense of freedom to create and um, all those things that are really streamlined more in capitalism versus like a really, you know, government state controlled uh, way of being. And so kind of marrying the two is how I see the world moving in the direction anyway, which is more of like conscious capitalism, social entrepreneurship. So with what I've done, like, again, being a trans person, taking back my power in a lot of ways uh, and becoming an entrepreneur has been so liberating. It's been like a kind of an F you to the, to the people that want to hold me down in a lot of ways. And um, and I, yeah, again, I found a lot of freedom, but with my business, when I work with companies, it is all rooted in like compassionate communication and using, you know, the ways that marketing can be either really toxic thing mm-hmm. about capitalism or, or marketing can be a beautiful way to change hearts and minds and, and using that for good. And then also like a big portion of what, I make and revenue goes right back to me supporting, you know, people of color that are trans or have disabilities that are trans on a sliding scale basis, coaching them or working with organizations um, on a sliding scale or even for free to teach like youth yoga that are LGBTQ and stuff that because I'm able to, because the next thing I would love to talk about with you is like, um, kind of the idea around um, like an abundance mindset versus mm-hmm. kind of a scarcity mindset that I see a lot of trans people yeah. have and like, and, and the ways that, um, you know, I, I want to shout from the rooftops also that like something that is so important 
And that again, I have a lot of compassion for because I used to be like this maybe six years ago and five years ago. So I know this very truly is just having the mindset of like expecting other people to take care of you and to Mm -hmm. outsourcing your personal power. And then also just like feeling like there's such a lack and um, that the universe isn't going to take care of you, that there's not enough to go around. Like those are so many limiting beliefs that I see trans people understandably. So internalize and, you know, showing them that, you know, there's a different possibility and that the more money that you do make and from a conscious, loving, creative place like you with all your skills and talents and, and gifts that you're called to do with your business and share people and, and learn uh, or teach people like those kind of things, the more money that you make doing those beautiful gifts, you can then give back and do more creative things and take care mm-hmm. of yourself. So I, yeah. after all that, I just said, I'd love to hear about your experience with that kind of thing. And that that's just another divide that I see that I'd love to hear where you're at. With, uh, with abundance mindset or with um or with political yeah with, <laughs> political with seeing that in the trans community oh my god well just I mean, seeing it well yeah in the, it in our community it's not just the trans community it's pretty much everyone in europe i mean the um yeah, yeah there are a lot of people who are into really like hardcore communism as well in europe i think a lot more than in the u.s because we already have a much more socialist system and mm-hmm. Um, of course i wish we would be better treated by society and i I mean given like that it has taken me years to get an id and that i had to like pretend to be something that i'm not like in front of like every official person that i met of course i wish it wasn't like that but uh, there's one word which i hate it's the word should you can't live on should like it should be different yeah but it's not like but you're gonna do it you know it's uh it, it, maybe it's, yeah. it's a bit hardcore to put it this way, but like when I find a trans, like the reason why I don't have any trans friends back in Berlin anymore is because all of them smoke pot and play video games all day. And I happen to not like video games or any kind of mind altering substance. Sure. And therefore we have nothing in common because like you can only, yeah, like transness is not something you have in common. Like you cannot build a relationship based on the fact that you have a common oppression in fact, I tried. I tried to build a marriage even on it. I'm divorced now. Mm. <laughs> that should tell you everything yeah. you need to know. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's very isolating, but I wouldn't want to be crying and feeling like a victim alongside the other victims. Like, no, thank sure. you. I'm, uh, I'm still hoping that I will find people that will resonate more with me. It's probably one of the outcomes of this podcast. Um, I do find people here and there. Uh, most of them are not trans. Uh, you're actually the first trans mm. person that I speak to who um, who can relate very deeply in this way. I'm hoping that there will be others. I have a, a few other people on my list of uh, of potential guests. Um, but it, it is what it is. Like I'm not gonna ch- I'm not gonna uh, throttle or or reduce my mindset for the sake of fitting alongside the mind of someone else. Because yeah. it's a bad idea, even alongside the mind of an entire community. Like we can all be victims together. Yeah, I get it. I don't want that. I realized like it, it's even I took stock of my dating uh, experience recently. And I realized that there is a little chance that we'll find a partner around me that will be a truly empowering person just because yeah. the environment isn't that conducive um, and that I'm 
so I basically gave up on the idea because the problem is that each time that I'm in a the beginning of a romantic relationship, I find myself just trying to fit myself into the expectation of the other person and it ends up being limiting. And I was like, no, like I'm not gonna limit myself to fit one relationship where I'm supposed to build a bigger business. Like it's I'm not gonna be able to do both at once. So um, I gave up on the on the relationship aspect. And uh, often with the universe, when you give up, that's when things happen. So who knows? Yeah. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I'm yeah, at peace with I'm at peace totally. with that. And uh, sometimes I guess you just have to prioritize, and it's you just have to admit that you're going to be lonely because you haven't met the kind of people that you resonate with. And I guess that's that's fine. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there's totally value in 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 being single. And I noticed that in our community, there's a lot of pressure to like get in a relationship and stay in a relationship that isn't working to just be validated by your gender. Like if you date a cisgender person of the opposite gender, like that's, that's so validating that people stay in toxic relationships. Yeah. I've uh, been there. I've done that. Thank you. No. Yeah. I'm with you. And I'm with you about what you, well, yeah. What you said earlier about like the, you know, the smoking weed every day and playing video games. Like I, I used to, do that every day. And, you know, I've lost friends throughout this transition process that are also trans because that didn't resonate with me anymore. Mm-hmm. Like getting yeah. totally sober and just, just cleaning up my life and moving into entrepreneurship. But yeah. I have, I had a period where I had less trans friends, but the lucky thing is that now I've as I've cleared out a lot of friendships that weren't serving me, I've found a lot of trans people that maybe they're not right in my immediate environment, but they're Mm -hmm. definitely here and, and they exist and like you and, and other, other, other people across the U S I found that, that are trans, that are entrepreneurs that are out here that are making a meaningful impact. Like they do exist. And so, uh, and same with the relationship, like, again, sometimes you have to be single, but I, I know there are people that um, like I've had to wait periods of time where maybe I've had to wait to find somebody that really accepts me, but then when they really do accept me, it's, it's incredible and it's Mm -hmm. really deep and a meaningful relationship. So um, all of that exists for us, like as trans people, we're we're worthy of deep friendships and relationships. It's it's really multidimensional. It's not just the being trans. Totally. Just the trans thing. I do find people who accept that. I I do feel very lucky for that. Um, It's like, and for friendships, it kind of works. But it's really, I want someone who will be supportive of me in my business, who will understand like what it is to be an entrepreneur or a business owner. Yeah. And just who will like, they don't have to be an entrepreneur themselves, although that would help. Um, but I find that it's just not the mindset around here. Like it's a different culture and it's, yeah. it's what do you fine. think it takes to, what do you think it takes to like have the mindset of an entrepreneur? Not being European, especially not French. <laughs> no, not being French. <laughs> no, I mean, it's crazy. Like I, I, sure. I don't think I would be able to be a business owner if I wasn't estranged from my family. Like literally, okay, yeah, it's, it's that bad. And, you know, if you even need to strip aside the, the trans component and all like the other crap that has this going on, right? Um, the business thing that would already be a deal breaker for them. Wow. So just because um, they don't they don't believe in like business like yeah. as a as a way of moving through the world, yeah. 
yeah they they think yeah. it's a recipe for failure and i mean my parents had programmed me to be a, a woman and marry a man like my when i was sure. born my father literally bought wine for my wedding wow <laughs> yeah yeah so you exactly. have it From, yeah yeah an, like an age yeah i don't know if they like they weren't invited to my wedding so i don't know if they drunk so Sure. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah, and uh, the plan was for me to go to university and then eventually take one of those uh, very French competitive exams that will allow you to be a civil servant and be married with the state for the rest of your career. Yeah, uh, because you have so-called job safety. Right. And I would probably have been a teacher because that was what I was interested in. I mean, I'm still a, I'm a language learning coach now, French learning coach. So it still is kind of in that direction, but it's not at all the same as being a teacher in a state school in France. This is one of the profession with the highest rate of depression. And I'm speaking about CSET people. Yeah. So imagine yeah. what it is to be a queer person in that situation. Totally. It would have been horrible. But according to my parents, it still was the best choice for me. What do you, what do you like, what was your thing that, like, that made you realize, like, I, even though there's all these people around me that are like, that don't support entrepreneurship, I'm still going to do it. And I, and I know I'm going to make it happen. Like, is there anything that like that there was this belief in yourself? Like I deserve to go out and make the money that I like want. Or... No, it was more like desperation. I mean, I told you the story. I was, I was yeah, basically totally. I got fired for the second time in six months. And I knew that whatever I would be going through next would be shitty for my mental health and would just have me be a, uh, uh, working a lot, working very hard. And the choice was either begging the government for money, which would, you know, be going mm. from office to office, uh, you know, telling the story and trying to convince them to give me some cash with being yeah. misgendered and mistreated, uh, which would have been horrible for my health and, and would have been a lot of work, you know, filling paperwork right. in German and like, uh, you know, everything. Yeah. Or, or build, a, build an online business. And I knew it was possible and, and I could be able to do it relatively safely because I could sit at home which I mean, Berlin yeah. is a city that's not even safe for trans people. So, I mean, it's mostly women who have problems, but still. Um, and so I, I was sitting at home for two, three years anyway. I had to do something, something with my time and I didn't like pot and video games. Yeah. So what I, are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel a sense of, I, I feel definitely a sense of safety in my mental health, my emotional health, like, you know, yeah, my physical health, everything that's going on in the world, like building an online business, like that is the upside of it is that yeah. you can do it from your house. You can create your own schedule. You can do my it on your own. Health isn't, you don't need a yeah, boss who's going to be transphobic. Totally. Hell yeah. If my meds, that is right there. I've never heard like, this is so obvious, but that's really true. Like if, if you don't have to deal with bosses that are homophobic, transphobic, anything like that, you know, and you get to control your, your hours and everything like that. If I'm having a mental health day and I don't want to do anything, I can change my schedule around and everything yeah. like that. It's a, it's been deeply empowering. So yeah. Now I have I'm, people I'm who really, tell me that I'm lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because of my work yeah. situation, not exactly luck, but okay, I'll take it. Sure. Yeah. And it's, it's hard work, but for me, it's, it's worth it at least. I don't know if you feel the same way, but it's yeah, been no, worth it totally. to, me to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, totally. Like I'm, I'm yeah. really working hard and smart at, at 
keeping my business and growing it so I don't have to go back to like, even though now I mean I pass as male and probably it would not be as bad to have a job as a male as I it was to have a job as a female back in the days especially right when my mental health was the worst that it ever was um yeah. but I still would rather avoid it if I can because it's Definitely. nicer. I'm, I'm with you. I don't, yeah, I don't want to go back into the workplace and have to pretend that I'm straight, cis, you know, white guy. And it's just not authentic to me. I, I'm, yeah, I have no shame about being trans. I want to be open about it. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, I what's, wanted to what's, ask you how, how yeah, you deal sure. with that, by the way, having a business as an, as an open trans person, because it's something that I've struggled with for a long time and I'm not even really open about it. Like, of course, if someone listens to this podcast, they will know, but it's not something that's written on my website, contrary to you. Yeah, I, I know that, um, for me, my inner calling, like I, when I first came out as trans again, like almost 10 years ago, my plan was to just transition and not tell anybody. I wanted to be completely stealth about it. I wanted to go to business school and go to law school and, and just go be an entrepreneur, but make it totally not about being trans. But little by little, I was like given the opportunity to share my experience either one-on-one or on my college campus. And it lit me up to share it. And so more and more, I started speaking about it and was just really called to just be open about it. But it took me, um, looking at a lot of shame that I had about Mm -hmm. being trans and, um, and then leaning into the fact that the more I was vulnerable enough to share that experience and what I've learned, it made me have such deep connections with other people that that light was so powerful for me. And it felt so good that I had to just keep following that intuition and that guidance. And so I ended up building a business around um, that, and I, there's a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs that are in the personal development world that they make a, they have a challenge in their life and they overcome it. And that, that personal narrative becomes the kind of way that they then coach from or speak from or write books from and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. And so I've done a similar thing, but, you know, I've used my stories as, a vehicle. And I feel like I kind of, in a lot of ways, get paid to be myself. Mm-hmm. And so that's really empowering. And, um, and so I just share it because it feels better to share it than not. And I kind of balance, like some days I just want to be Ashton and not have anybody know that I'm trans. And so I've taken a break in the last year and a half or so to just kind of not be as open on social media, not like like I have some projects kind of cooking in the background and I'm still like coaching people, but you know, I got to kind of take a rest sometimes and care for myself. And um, you know, the plan is long-term and the vision long-term is like, you know, writing a book and stuff and Mm -hmm. uh, I'll eventually be more, even more open about it. Um, But you know, I've, I have this inner calling to share it. And if I don't share it, I, I feel like I'm shut down in a lot of ways. So, yeah, um, but I, I mean, that. not everybody has to be open about it. So it's, it's just whatever you feel most comfortable with. Um, but I noticed that the more open about it and the less shame that I hold it in my heart about it, the more I attract clients that like really, really see me. And so mm-hmm. I don't 
want to be for everybody, but the people who um, are, when I'm unapologetic about what I'm here to make an impact with, and I just share it openly, it's, it's just like dating. You'll, right. you'll attract right. yes. uh, really quality people. You'll repel a lot more people, but then the clients that you do attract are really for you. They really will pay you what you're worth because they believe in mm-hmm. what you bring to the table. They believe in the value you bring. They, they really see the vision and light and everything like that just allows you to just show up more fully in your business. So it, for me, it's been a business strategy, but it's also just been like, how do I survive in this world when the world tells me that I'm, you know, yeah. less than for being trans, I'm just going to reclaim it, totally flip it the opposite way. And mm-hmm. just say like, this is the most interesting thing about me. This has made me more compassionate, more loving, more creative. And so if you're on board with that and you want to get some of that, like hire me. And if not, like, that's cool because there's a million other people that really are seeking me out to, right. you know, as a client. So yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's both ways. So that's a, that's an amazing message. I think we're going to keep it for like the, the last biggest part because we are way uh, we're over an hour mark. Sure. Yeah. I, I have something that I wanted to keep as like kind of a, a funny thing to do at the end. So there's this thing sure. called the May test, which is for trans representation. It's normally about fiction. But I figured, what the okay. hell? This is a piece of content, and there are two versions of it. Yeah. Like one, there's one version which is adapted from the Bechdel test, which uh, is that you have to have in a piece of content, typically a fiction, you need to have two trans characters that are identified. So check. They need to have yeah. a conversation together. Check, and they need to be speaking yeah. about something other than medical transition. <laughs> we did that. So I yeah, congratulations. That. And there's the second version that. of it, which is more developed, uh, which says uh, the May test will ask whether a transgender character is um, one portrayed by a transgender actor. Well, I mean, we are always up, so that doesn't really apply. Yeah. Two, uh, safe, stable, and secure, secure, not homeless, assaulted, or victimized. I think sure. we can say check. Yeah, we're both right? thriving. Yeah. The second yeah. is thriving, healthy, and happy. So check. Uh, the yeah. next one is in love, lovable, and dating. Well, I think I'm lovable. I'm not really in love or dating, I'm, but uh, how about I, you? I, yeah, I am. I check. am. I am lovable and all, all the things. Check, check, check. Yeah. Great, yeah. amazing. And the trans identity needs to not be used as a joke or surprise reveal gag. So no, we were pretty open and <laughs> yep. <side>. Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> needs to have an occupation that isn't sex worker, dealer, or thief. Check. Yep. Okay. <laughs> And a storyline that is not solely about their transition or surgery or their struggle with their identity. It's yeah. a lot about identity, but it's not about the struggle. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's about creating a positive possibility model. And yeah, in other areas, entrepreneurship, spiritual, all these other things that are meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. And bonus, <laughs> bonus points, if the trans character is in a lead role, which need yeah. a check or has a gender check. queer non, non-conforming or neutral gender identity at, at least that's one yeah. of us so yeah yeah check yeah cool yeah. you know but i love that's that a that's really good that's really great good piece of content here so yeah where can people find you yeah so i'm probably instagram is the most uh or tiktok is the most uh social media that i go on so it's just um, Ashton Colby or Ashton mm-hmm. James Colby and um, and then also gender euphoria.com 
mm-hmm. spelled Y-O-U. And then also my website is just ashtoncolby.com. And my mm-hmm. email is just info at ashtoncolby.com. And uh, yeah, I love questions and all that. You can totally reach out to me. I try to get back to everybody and love having these conversations. So it was a great conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for being with me. And, and thank you for listening to this podcast or for watching it on YouTube. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe and please leave a review on your favorite platform or a comment on below if you're on YouTube. Uh, as there's, this will help other listeners find it and will also help me bring more amazing guests. So thank you very much. Yeah. All thank right. you so much.